Hey, everybody, I want to welcome you to the Before You Quit podcast, where we want to bring courage and perspective when serving gets hard. And man, does it get hard sometimes. That is why we do what we do on these podcast episodes. My name is Mitch Schultz. I am your host. I'm also the director of a ministry called Fruitful Vine Ministry. Well, this is going to be an unusual interview. It's a a personal interview, a personal opportunity for me. I'm actually sitting down with my nearly 92-year-old father, and we're just sitting down and having a conversation. I interviewed both my mom and dad a couple years ago on my podcast, and uh, their story is more uh, uh, carefully and uh, kind of uh, specifically detailed in that podcast. But this time I just sat down with them and and just uh, wanted him to tell stories. And a lot of the reason for this was I wanted something recorded that uh, is left as a legacy for our family. Uh, So in a sense, I'm inviting you into a living room to listen to our family story, the patriarch of our family uh, telling stories. And uh, and, uh, again, it's just something that was very um, encouraging for me to sit down with them and to uh, interview him and just have a conversation with him. So I'm going to go ahead and jump in right now. I I think you're really going to enjoy this. Uh, So let's go ahead and... uh, introduce you here to my father, John Schultz. All right, I have the privilege of sitting in a small office with my dad sitting on the couch and I am interviewing him today. And uh, it's, uh, I have no idea which direction this is gonna go. Scary, hi dad, how are you? I, I was okay. Uh, until what? <laughs> until I started, huh? Uh, well, um, so we're gonna we're gonna just really get to know you today and have you tell some stories. And part of the reason I wanted to do this was to have a legacy for our family. Okay. And so this is a conversation uh, between me and my dad, uh, just to ask you some questions. And uh, so we're going to go ahead and jump right in. You ready? Go ahead. Okay. And I think one rule is you're only allowed one joke through the whole thing. So can you handle that? Well, it, 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 whose joke? Yours or mine? No, you, you no jokes from you, except for maybe one. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> All right. First question I got to ask you, you have four children. Uh, which one uh, is your favorite? Uh, yes. <laughs> Good answer. <laughs> All right, we'll get serious here. Um, you are almost 92 years old. Uh, what one legacy do you believe that you leave behind? Uh, I, I have been thinking about that. And I, uh, I did write some uh, books, some devotionals and so on. So mm-hmm. I, I hope that the Lord is going to use that when I'm gone. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, that is uh, actually most of what I thought along that line. Yeah, yeah. So you feel like your your legacy has been written in a sense in your books, and that that will will continue. Yeah, part, I like that. Part of it. Uh, okay. I mean, there's some things that you cannot communicate uh, uh, without speaking personally. Yeah. To... Yeah. Well, you uh, yeah you've written a number of books, and um, I think the the family loves the walking through the Psalms that you did, and we'll have these books available on the uh, on the website. But I'm I'm reading 
that every day. Oh. It's a daily devotional. Don't act surprised. Well, I, <laughs> and, did, I didn't know you, yeah. you were reading it. Yeah, well, Vin, my, our, my sister Vivian is, is reading it as well, and it's just yeah. it's just very refreshing. And, and I, I agree. I think that's one of the legacies you leave is uh, what you have written, and you wrote these some years ago, and they, they've been continuing to be refreshing. Yeah. So, and I wrote some Bible commentaries. Yeah, a lot of Bible commentaries. Yeah, we'll, we'll get back to that. Uh, tell us a little bit about your upbringing. Well, I uh, grew up uh, in, uh, in the Netherlands, in the city of Harlem, mm -hmm. which uh, some people may, may know about. Uh, it was the place where Corrie ten Boom lived. Mm -hmm. I, mispronounce her name for for the Americans for, for the, Amer yeah, <laughs> the benefit of the Americans uh, and uh, so uh, my my dad was quite involved in yeah we'll get we're gonna get back to that oh, actually okay. because I'm gonna have you tell some of those stories yeah, okay uh, and uh, <clears throat> I uh, at one point the, the Lord after my conversion which was at a youth retreat in the Netherlands after my conversion, the Lord called me some time uh, after that, and uh, I felt that uh, I uh, had to get some Bible training in mm -hmm. order to be able to serve Him. So I looked for some places to go and, and study, and I was uh, somebody uh, commanded to me uh, the. Bible Institute in Brussels, mm -hmm. Belgium, and so I, I decided to go and have a look there, and I liked that very much. Mm -hmm. So I applied, and I was accepted, and uh, so I studied three years there. Mm -hmm. And that's where you met Mom and yeah. ended up uh, serving as a missionary for how many years? 38. 38 years in, in Papua. Uh, well, let me let me say here, we I did interview both you and mom uh, mm. a couple years ago. Yeah. So that podcast is, is available on my Before You Quit uh, website. So oh. that this, the kind of summary you just gave me, a lot more of the details yeah. are, are in that. Um, so a, a lot of what I'm, I want to do today is have you just tell stories and um, as I mentioned in the beginning, a lot of this is, is to leave a legacy of stories for uh, your children, our mm. children, your grandchildren, great-grandchildren. Uh, by the way, are you aware of how many grandchildren and great-grandchildren you have? Um, well, I, I, I would have to look a little closer at it, but off the top of my mm -hmm. head, I would say uh, grandchildren would be twelve? Uh, no, no, uh, it's seventeen or eighteen. Eighteen. Yeah. Uh, okay. Uh, yeah, I I confuse sometimes the <laughs> grandchildren with, with the great grandchildren. Understandable. And the great grandchildren, I have to ask mom because yeah. Uh, uh, well, it's actually thirty. Thirty. You have thirty great grandchildren, okay. and uh, two two are on their way, hmm. and uh, my grandson Reese was just adopted. Uh, two yeah. weeks ago, so yeah, yeah. that's that's the that's latest. So we so. have one more than we did uh, last week. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, 
so so yeah, quite a quite a family legacy yeah. uh, that you leave, and uh, this is out of four of your own children, hmm. uh, of which I am the third. Uh, okay, so I will I will say a, a key word or phrase, and I I just want you to tell the story. So okay. uh, hiding Jews in Holland. Uh-huh. Well, this of course was during the Second World War, and. Uh, <coughs> Holland was occupied by uh, the Nazi mm-hmm. Germany uh, uh, actually uh, about a year after the, the war had been uh, declared by Adolf Hitler uh, and uh, so uh, Jews would uh, start to go in hiding uh, and some would try to uh, escape to Great Britain and later to the United States. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, there were uh, the, the problem. Uh, one of the problems was that during the war years, uh, f- most uh, f- food items were uh, uh, limited, and the only way to get them was by uh, having a, a ration card. Th- that was for Jews, not for no, no, for, for everybody, for the whole population. Okay. And you had to be registered in order to get those mm. cards. And Jews did not want to get registered because the Nazi they knew. would uh, know who they were and where they were and would pick them up and take them to a, a concentration camp. Mm-hmm. So they, the Jews, most uh, many of the Jews went in hiding. Uh, and being in hiding, they could not get their ration cards. Now, my dad, uh, when the war started, uh, uh, lost his original occupation, which was in textiles that he uh, uh, he represented uh, uh, some firms in Great Britain mm-hmm. and uh, had uh, 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 clients in uh, the middle of Ger- uh, middle of Europe like Austria, Czechia, Czechoslovakia, mm-hmm. and things like that. So he would do a lot of traveling to the center of Europe. But when the, the war started, uh, contact with Great Britain uh, was cut off. And so my dad uh, had to find a job, and he found a job in the distribution, uh, food distribution office. Uh, and uh, <clears throat> now he... Um, uh, I don't know how how uh, it was not legal what he did. Mm-hmm. But he would help himself to a certain number of uh, uh, f- uh, food stamps mm-hmm. uh, that uh, uh, he would take to people who were in hiding. Mm-hmm. And so he got to know the Ten Booms because mm-hmm. they were hiding Jews. And uh, he would make quite regular visits to the Ten Booms and uh, uh, hand them the uh, cards that he had taken. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and just uh, for those who don't know, Corey Ten Boom came out of, survived the concentration camps and became very popular as a author and writer telling yeah, the yeah, story. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, but that, that would be, be later, of course, yeah. uh, historically. Yeah, right, right. So... Uh, <clears throat> My dad would make occasional visits to the Ten Boom's house to deliver mm-hmm. uh, his cards. He, he was always very careful because he knew there were, was danger. 
So he would hide the cards, uh, not in his pocket, mm -hmm. the pocket of his coat or so, but uh, under his underwear, mm -hmm. <laughs> his undershirt. Uh, and uh, uh, so, so he rang the doorbell at the Ten Booms one, one day, and the door was opened by a Nazi officer mm. pointing a gun at him and mm. asking him to come in. And of course, that invitation couldn't mm -hmm. be refused. But my dad was very concerned about the cards that he had hidden. So after a while, they took him to the police headquarters. Uh, when he was there, uh, he asked if he could use the bathroom. Mm -hmm. and. Uh, so he went to the bathroom, got all the cards out of his underwear, <laughs> tore them up in little pieces, and mm. flushed them down. Yeah. And as a joke, I often say that nobody ever left the bathroom so relieved as my father. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, we, and we have heard that joke, and it's still funny. <laughs> yeah, okay. But uh, he, uh, he was arrested mm -hmm. and uh, taken to... Uh, a prison for political prisoners, mm -hmm. uh, which was close to the, the city, The Hague, and uh, uh, was put in a cell without anybody in investigating uh, what he had done, but uh, he was just incarcerated. Yeah. And uh, uh, he stayed there for uh, six weeks with. We didn't know what had happened, mm -hmm. but, but, but... Not at all. You had no idea what had no. happened. I mean, you knew he was arrested, obviously. Well, but. we found out because he didn't come home for wow. his regular meal. And so my, my brother, my oldest brother, I was the youngest of mm -hmm. four, went to the uh, police office headquarters and found out that, yes, Mr. Schultz had been uh, uh, incarcerated. Mm. So that is how we, we found out. Uh, but nothing further. Mm -hmm. uh, and uh, uh, we had a, a man living in our street uh, who was a born German mm -hmm. and had migrated to the Netherlands before the Second World War. And uh, he happened to have, have as a German, he had served in the, in the German army uh, during World War One, mm -hmm. and he happened to be in the same uh, company with uh, a man by the name of uh, Adolf Hitler, mm. and so uh, he had a, 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 a something like a, an acknowledgement that yes, yeah, some kind of a medal or so yeah. to. Uh, indicate that he was a personal acquaintance of the Fuhrer. Mm. So I gave uh, him a special yeah, status yeah, and protection. Mm -hmm. So he, at one point, he uh, in inquired uh, what had happened to Mr. Schultz, mm -hmm. and uh, they told him, and eventually, it took a while, uh, because my dad was incarcerated for six weeks, but eventually he was released and uh, uh, was uh, Allowed to go if home. that man had not intervened, what do you think would have happened? Well, he probably would have been taken to a Nazi concentration wow. camp. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So and he, mom's dad had been arrested too and put in a uh, a labor camp. Uh, uh, no, no, not arrested, but uh, he he worked uh, with uh, 
for people who were in resistance. Okay, yeah. okay, okay. Yeah. I guess that's a... Uh, can be another story yeah, when I interview okay. mom. <laughs> so you you also hid Jews in your home. So uh, tell yeah. us what that was like, and and you've often shared about uh, how the Nazis would check homes. Yeah, well, we thought um, uh, my dad after uh, the experience would uh, uh, be more careful. Mm -hmm. As a matter of fact, that the opposite was, was true. Really? Yeah. It emboldened uh, him. Uh, yeah. So. Uh, we, uh, uh, there was a, a, a group of people who uh, were taking care of Jewish citizens, mm -hmm. uh, and uh, they would probably, uh, this is what happened, they would be sent to one safe address and stay there uh, for a week or mm -hmm. a few days and then go to another address. They wouldn't spend months at the same place. Mm -hmm. So we had several people who spent time at our home uh, and uh, then uh, would go to another place. Mm -hmm. uh, so uh, that is uh, how my dad remained involved, actually, in the crisis. So they never caught any of the Jews hiding uh, in your home? Uh, no. Yeah. But uh, mm. they... Uh, 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 we we knew that uh, at one some points Nazis would uh, uh, go to a street and mm -hmm. search every house. Yeah. So we we, we saw them coming, mm -hmm. and we were able uh, when we uh, realized what was going to happen, we were able to take some of our guests at that time, mm -hmm. uh, and. Uh, uh, the the uh, Nazis had searched all the houses at the opposite side mm -hmm. of the street, uh, and then they went around the block and then came to our side. Mm -hmm. So my dad sent me to uh, a family who went to the same church as we did, mm -hmm. and I was to ask the lady of the house uh, if uh, we, we could send uh, our uh, guests uh, uh, to... Uh, Wow. Their, her, their house. Yeah. And so I, I did that. Mm -hmm. I, I, well, there was there were no police in the street mm -hmm. at the moment. I took them across the street and uh, they stayed there. Yeah, amazing. And you wonder how many of those Jews ended up later being captured. Did yeah, you, well, nobody you, knows. You, knew, you yeah. did not know. Wow. And, uh, and uh, the, the people who were hiding in our place were not given a, an address, so mm -hmm. they could never betrayed the, oh, uh, interesting. so uh, they when they were liberated later they had no idea where they had uh, spent uh, yeah. uh, some time wow that's so amazing never heard anymore wow okay well we're going to jump ahead here to uh, some some narratives or stories that happened uh, on uh, in Indonesia when you lived there or Papua um, you almost were in your first term as a missionary, uh, almost let go. Well, uh, and what was the reason for that? No, not, not really. Mm -hmm. uh, the, the, <clears throat> this is why we're doing this to get the facts straight. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, the, uh, we, we worked in Papua, mm -hmm. uh, which at that time, uh, had been a, a Dutch colony, uh, part of uh, Indonesia. 
and uh, when the the war broke out, uh, uh, of the, the Japanese mm -hmm. invaded all of Indonesia, uh, but. Uh, we uh, I, we felt that the Lord called us uh, to Papua mm -hmm. after we had uh, uh, surrendered our life to Him mm -hmm. and uh, and had gotten our training in the the Bible Institute uh, in Belgium mm -hmm. where I met the young lady who later became my wife mm -hmm. uh, and uh, so. Uh, we both uh, applied to go with the under the uh, Dutch Alliance, uh, mm -hmm. Christian and Missionary Alliance, to uh, what was then Dutch New Guinea. Right. And so th that is how we. Yeah. We started. Well, I'm I'm referring to uh, in your first term, uh, you were almost let go because you weren't doing well enough in. Uh, languages, right? No, in the language no. learning. That... No, it was. It wasn't that I didn't do well enough, mm -hmm. but there was a rule mm -hmm. that uh, you had to spend, say, from nine o'clock in the morning till eleven or mm -hmm. till twelve. I forgot okay. what it was, and do language study. Okay. And I I messed that up a little. Okay. So it wasn't that you weren't capturing the language? Oh, that no. Well. I, as a matter of fact, that there's the. the person who was the chairman of the field at mm -hmm. that time never learned the language <laughs> quite well. Okay. So, but he uh, he wrote letters that I, I wasn't doing well as far as language. Well, that's what I'm referring yeah. to, yeah. Which yeah. wasn't true. Yeah, it okay. was just that I didn't follow the routine schedule yeah. of studying from... Yeah, so a lot, of, a lot of pressures, especially back in that era, uh, to prove yourself and there, there seemed to have been a lot of pressure, uh, but in the end, how many, how many languages do you sp uh, speak fluently or have spoken fluently? Uh, it's either five or six. I, it's I six. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you speak French fluently, Dutch, German, English. Well, Dutch is my native. Yeah, Dutch is your native language. Yeah. So French, Dutch, English, German, Indonesian, and the tribal language yeah. where you worked. Which is called human speech. <laughs> human speech, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So tell us uh, just briefly on this one about the uprising in the village where uh, we grew up. Oh, well, this um, Papua, uh, after the Second World War, the, the Dutch uh, had to give up their colonies mm -hmm. overseas. And so Indonesia uh, uh, tried to... Uh, take over uh, New Guinea, mm -hmm. uh, which uh, uh, remained a, a Dutch colony till after the Second World War. Mm -hmm. during, the first, during the Second World War, uh, Indonesia declared itself independent mm -hmm. uh, from, the, from the Dutch and uh, became uh, their own country, but that did not include New Guinea. So after the the war was finished. Uh, they, Indonesia, started a process at the United Nations uh, that uh, New Guinea, actually, since it was part of the Dutch colony before, should become part of Indonesia. Mm -hmm. Well, the uh, local population of the island did not like that mm -hmm. because racially they were quite different from mm -hmm. uh, the other Indonesian islands. Uh, the uh, the people who inhabited those places were uh, 
more Malaysian-like, mm-hmm. and uh, the people who inhabited uh, New Guinea uh, actually had roots to the Aborigines in Australia, mm-hmm. which were connected to uh, the African. Yeah, that's amazing. Through yeah. the millennial millenniums, yeah. how yeah, right, they ended up there. Yeah, so the uh, the population there didn't like. Uh, the Indonesians to take over, and they rebelled against it. But uh, uh, I I sympathized with them. Mm. I told them, uh, Indonesia has airplanes, you don't. They have, uh, they can uh, uh, throw bombs on you and or, or shoot from mm-hmm. their planes. There's nothing you can do about it. You just it. have bows and arrows. Yeah. Uh, well, they had some some guns uh, from mm-hmm. people who were policemen there, mm-hmm. but nothing to be able to defend yeah. themselves. So I uh, I made an effort to talk them out of resistance, and uh, eventually that that helped. Mm-hmm. And uh, when uh, uh, it, it, the people finally decided to hand their authority over to Indonesia, the uh, uh, pres- the the, the, the um, army general who was in charge of the takeover mm-hmm. uh, got to know me and understood that I had been positive as far as they they were concerned. Not because I liked what mm-hmm. they were doing, but right. was you were was, just trying to bring about peace. Yeah, it was yeah. a hopeless situation. Yeah. So when the, finally the uh, takeover was decided. The president of Indonesia came to uh, Papua uh, to confirm mm-hmm. Papua is part of Indonesia now. And uh, evidently he was informed about the fact that I had played some kind of a role in that, mm. which wasn't very important. <laughs> but uh, he, uh, he called me and uh, talked to me and wanted to know how mm-hmm. long I had had been working there and so on and so I I got to know the president of Indonesia. Wow, wow! I, I never had heard that story before, or maybe have, but I uh, don't remember. Yeah, and I remember when I was in third or fourth grade, we went back to our our. Uh, village or or town. Uh, yeah. The only way in was by airplane, and when the airplane left, we realized that the Indonesian had uh, government had completely taken over yeah, yeah. Uh, the place and had occupied our house, and that's very vivid to me. Yeah, yeah. And uh, you know, we've talked a lot about that. Uh, but uh, okay, um, you were attacked by a robber once. Tell us that story. <laughs> Well, actually, we uh, we were on vacation mm-hmm. at the place where you uh, you kids went to school. Mm-hmm. During the, 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 the there was uh, let's see, uh, there there was a, a national there uh, who was in charge of the the uh, mission vacation house, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, uh, he had a dog, mm-hmm. and in the middle of the night, uh, I. Uh, I heard the, the the dog first barking and then screaming mm. as if somebody uh, tried to kill him or so. So I got up and uh, the, the dog was there bleeding and mm. somebody had used a knife uh, and tried to kill him but mm. didn't succeed. 
but uh, I got a flashlight and I went around and uh, the the, uh, the the watchman uh, got a hold of the, the guy who who did the stabbing uh-huh and uh, so he uh, he started to argue with him mm-hmm. and that 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 guy was quite violent uh, the robber the, the robber uh, and I did something very dumb. Uh, I had looked at television, <laughs> and I had seen how, uh, in wrestling, uh, you you can you can use a headlock. <laughs> so I stood behind the the, the robber, uh-huh. and uh, I put my arm around uh, his neck and pulled his head back. Mm-hmm. He still had the knife in his oh, hand, and that is when he stabbed me and uh, I started bleeding quite stabbed perfectly. you in the arm in my arm mm-hmm. yeah and so I I went inside and uh, mom uh, realized that uh, I needed help mm-hmm. so, uh, she bandaged me up a little and mm-hmm. then got uh, as a matter of fact one of the mission doctors happened to be on vacation mm-hmm. there uh, I was staying next door, and oh, wow. he came in and uh, and bended me, bandaged mm-hmm. me up. And it was a pretty deep wound, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah you have quite yeah, a I large can, scar. I uh, can still yeah. see it. Now, the story didn't end well. What what happened to the robber? Uh, well, he got killed. Mm-hmm. Uh, by, the, by the security by guard. By the security guard, yeah. because he kept on... Uh, resisting. Yeah, well. I remember when you talked about that early on. That really burdened you. Yeah, because I I thought uh, we are here mm. uh, to preach the gospel, yeah. not uh, to have people killed. Yeah. Know? So that that really bothered. Yeah, me. I remember. Uh, I remember that. And you, we were in college when that happened here in Tacoa, and we got a call from mm. someone explaining what had happened. Oh. Uh, speaking of dogs, you, you had a dog. Uh, we, we owned a dog who led someone to Jesus. Tell us that story. <laughs> yeah, well, that's that's the way I, I put it, uh, uh, actually jokingly. But uh, when we were still living in the mountains, we raised chickens mm-hmm. uh, for... We, we would use the, the eggs. We had quite a, a, a chicken coop. Mm-hmm. We would use the eggs and the, take the eggs and sell them to uh, some little stores in the, in the town and use the, give the money to the school, to mm-hmm. the Bible school. And so in, in the middle of the night, I, I heard the, the chickens uh, making noise, which they normally wouldn't. Mm-hmm. So I got up and uh, I realized that uh, there was somebody who had uh, gotten into the chicken coop, taken one or two chickens, killed some. And so I went and got our, our German shepherd dog uh, uh, off his leash. Mm-hmm. And uh, the, uh, our faithful dog, Holt, sniffed out where the the thief had been and where he had gone and I followed him. We found out that uh, he uh, was hiding uh, down below and uh, the dog found him and barked and mm-hmm. by that time we had made enough noise that some of the students of the Bible school had woken up and so they came 
and uh, uh, said uh, to, to the guy, uh, of course you are being caught here. Uh, these chickens are not just regular chickens, because the school belongs to Jesus, <laughs> and they, the chickens are Jesus' chickens. <laughs> And when you steal Jesus' chickens, you are always caught. <laughs> <laughs> so, I, I and of course I didn't say anything to uh, to uh, and to uh, discourage, yeah, that, to yeah. discourage that. That that is the, the way it went. Mm -hmm. And uh, when the uh, the man heard that that uh, there was a, a man by the name of Jesus whose chickens you could steal. <laughs> He asked some of the people in the village where he lived, uh, who was this Jesus? Mm. And they said, you never heard that uh, about Jesus? Uh, there is a church here close by. Mm. And uh, they took him to the church and uh, he started following the services. And yeah. eventually uh, became a Christian. Wow, yeah. wow. So the dog did lead. Yeah. The dog had a part in Yeah, he played a role in that. <laughs> that is I love that story. It's wonderful. Mm. Slipping into or shifting into more broader questions here, uh, and these might lend itself to some stories. Uh, as you look back over your life, almost 92 years old, what was the hardest season of your life? Probably the end of World War II, mm. uh, because uh, we were still under Nazi occupation. Uh, the uh, invasion in Normandy had taken place. We were still under Nazi occupation, but the Nazi troops who occupied uh, our country uh, were unable to go back to Germany because the Allies had oh, cut it off. Wow. Uh, and so from September 1944 through May 1945, when the war ended, mm -hmm. Uh, we were under Nazi occupation. They were cut off from their mm. homeland. They uh, tried to requisition all the food that was mm. uh, available, and uh, that didn't leave much for uh, wow. for the Dutch. So a lot of starvation. Yeah, uh, and uh, we went through a period of, of real hunger Yeah, uh, to the point where uh, people tried to eat things that actually are not yeah, very like tulip animal. bulbs like yeah. tulip bulbs yeah 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 you tell the story of when you were rescued uh, you went to a, a food kitchen or something and ate oh, well, like eight bowls of soup or something yeah, the there first was, time yeah, there was a there was a group of uh, of ladies who would go to farms mm. and collect uh, food particularly for uh, teenage uh, young people, mm, mm. and so I was in a in a group that was inv in, invited to mm -hmm. uh, participate in that. And the first time uh, they uh, served food, you could eat as much as you wanted. Yeah, and so I I ate seven bowls of uh, soup. What is uh, your greatest answer to prayer as you look back over your life? I uh, surrendered my life to the Lord mm -hmm. and told him that I was willing to go wherever he, to do whatever he wanted me to mm -hmm. do. And I I was uh, quite touched by a, a Dutch uh, missionary who had been uh, during the war in Indonesia and got uh, caught in a 
by the Japanese uh, there and mm -hmm. spent uh, several years in a in a Japanese uh, a prison. And he came back to Holland and told his story. Mm -hmm. And I thought, well, uh, Lord, uh, I'm. I think you are calling me to the mission field. Mm. So I, uh, uh, I got my Bible training, mm -hmm. and then I applied uh, to the the uh, place where that that man lived, and uh, he said, "Yeah, uh, we accept candidates, but we don't send any." single guys to Indonesia. Mm -hmm. So I said, uh, Lord, you mean you want me to get married? <laughs> <laughs> Who do you have in mind? Yeah. Because I, I wanted to know uh, somebody who was would be willing to go as a missionary yeah. overseas. So uh, mom was at the same uh, Bible training institute in Belgium where I was. Mm -hmm. And uh, we got befriended, mm -hmm. and instead of asking her, do you want to marry me? I mm -hmm. said, did you ever think of going overseas as a missionary? <laughs> <laughs> and when she said yes, I asked the second question, and she said yes to that. <laughs> so, so, and she was the only girl in the school, too, uh, right? Or well, one of the few. At, there were actually two, mm -hmm. uh, but the, the others uh, were... Probably less interesting. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. That's amazing. So that you see that as your greatest answer to prayer. Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah, wonderful. Yeah. Favorite story in the Bible and why? Hmm. It, it's rather hard to come up with a favorite mm -hmm. story. I uh, I did a study uh, a few years ago of uh, Jesus in the Old Testament. Mm -hmm. I realized that he is mentioned the first time. Uh, after Adam and Eve are out of paradise, mm -hmm. and God says to Eve, uh, you will have a, a, a child, a grandchild, uh, who will uh, give eternal life. Mm -hmm. And uh, mm -hmm. that was one of the things that got me particularly. The, the way that was brought out, one of the, the, I think one of the highlights in the Old Testament uh, to illustrate uh, the role of uh, Jesus is the, the story of Abraham uh, called to sacrifice mm -hmm. Isaac. Yeah. And because that, that, that really is the picture mm -hmm. where uh, God says uh, to Abraham, I am going to go through that. Mm. Uh, I want you to know how that feels. Yeah. Yeah. And there's no hand to stop God from going through and yeah. killing his son. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I know the other story you've talked often about that has been emotional has been the story of David weeping over Absalom. I, I just know that that's something you have oh. shared about that. Uh, I had to regret yeah. <laughs> Well, it's impacted me when, uh, when you've talked about oh. that. Uh, what do you love most about the gospel? Well, the fact that it is the gospel <laughs> and uh, that uh, Jesus took our place, mm. uh, paid the price for our salvation mm. by giving his own life mm -hmm. and uh, in, in a way that is unbelievable, unbelievably horrible. Mm. I mean, he, he was tortured yeah. to death. Yeah. And uh, we would almost say... Uh, was that necessary yeah. in mm -hmm. order to save us? And 
Evidently it was. Yeah. Uh, Shifting a little bit. Most frustrating experience in your life. I can't think of anything. (laughs) That's good. (laughs) Well, I mean, I've had some some downs, but... uh, Well, it's amazing, uh, you know, providentially how God has moved in our, our whole family oh, by, yeah. Yeah. uh, you know, me being sick as a, as a child yeah. and having to come, we, you know, we were all Dutch citizens. You still are a Dutch citizen hmm. and how just that, that tragedy of my illness, uh, led us to the States, yeah. uh, cause we were sponsored by a church in Atlanta so I could get treatments yeah. and had it not been that our, story would be uh you know of a family returning to europe yeah. very likely and uh, that's just always phenomenal to me and mm. and and the fact that by living in atlanta uh my you know ruthie your, your oldest daughter my oldest sister ended up at tacoa falls college yeah. and, um, and we all subsequently ended up at tacoa yeah, falls yeah. college and uh even more uh, surprising and amazing to me is how uh, we're all here now again years later. <laughs> mm, yeah, yeah. Uh, and even uh, my sister Vivian is is living here, and you and Mom are in the same house that you've been in since you retired in '95 yeah. or '96. Yeah. And uh, if you look back, it's uh, you know you see his hand just weaving yeah. through all of that. It's been it's been remarkable. Uh, one thing uh, that is interesting, I believe, is the fact uh, that uh, my my language is Dutch. Mm-hmm. Mom, mom speaks uh, French. Uh, she understands Dutch mm-hmm. and she could speak it, but uh, we speak French together. And you, uh, all of you growing up, mm-hmm. uh, learned French, mm-hmm. period, to begin with. Yeah. The, the fact that... Uh, we had to. We ended up in the United mm-hmm. States. Actually, you, you knew English already mm-hmm. uh, because you had gone to the MK school in mm-hmm. uh, yeah American Central, boarding school yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. American boarding school in uh, Santani yeah. Uh, uh, but uh, the, this, uh, who could have predicted? Yeah, that? yeah. Even for Elaine and me, we would never have imagined that we would have ended up back in in Tacoa. Yeah, and it's it's a you know it's a it's a result of of tragedy of very difficult yeah. things that we've gone through that uh, led us to to come here. Uh, yeah, it's uh, when you're talking about you and Mom speaking French. Uh, and we're around you when you do. Uh, we're we're all fluent in our comprehension. I don't speak yeah. it that well because I've heard it my whole life. Yeah, yeah. But, uh, it's it's and there are even times where one of you will say something in French and then the other will answer in English. <laughs> um, and then this past weekend, my brother-in-law was visiting and Elaine was in the house too. And the old joke from way back then is when they heard you speaking French, they just assume that you were talking about them. <laughs> and you've had to reassure them that, no, we're not yeah. talking about you. We're just speaking French with yeah, each other. Yeah, you're not interested enough. <laughs> <laughs> what one thing do you want your grandchildren and great-grandchildren grandchildren to remember about you? Well, uh, maybe I, could, I should say uh, there's some things I don't want them to remember. <laughs> <laughs> what do you mean by that? Like what? Well, I uh, I I do have negative uh, 
features that uh, may shine through. I don't know. Mm-hmm. But, uh, right now, I can't think of any. Oh, well, <laughs> I appreciate that. <laughs> I hope that you all say that. Yeah, uh, I think we I think we do. So what would you like to be remembered for the most? Walking through the Psalms. <laughs> mm-hmm. Okay, okay, wonderful. Yeah, I, when Elaine and I talk about this, and even you know when I talk to Nora, and even my children, Nora, my granddaughter, mm. um, I I will often say I want to be remembered for my love for the gospel. Mm. That what mattered to me the most was yeah. the story of what Jesus did for us, and uh, the way I describe it, and I think it's it's great for us to be reminded of this, that at the cross, the, a trade took place. We gave him our sin and yeah. he gave us his righteousness. Yeah. And there's, there's nothing more, more wonderful than, uh, mm. uh, than, you know, to, to live simply for, yeah. for that. Well, the, uh, when, uh, when mom and I got married, we prayed and said, Lord, if you give us children, mm-hmm. we pray that you don't give us anybody who won't uh, accept you mm-hmm. in their lives yeah and uh, the, the the lord uh, heard that prayer mm-hmm. and uh, uh, as a matter of fact it's not only that uh, you all accepted him but you all have entered into your into the lord's service mm-hmm. and that is uh, much more than we asked for yeah yeah that's wonderful yeah and whether it's it's you know formal ministry or just serving and loving Jesus wherever yeah we are I think that that pleases family mm-hmm. and uh, of course as a as a family gets larger and generations continue uh, you know you hope that that uh, love for the gospel continues um, mm. but that doesn't al- always happen that way and yeah, as, as right. grandparents no doubt you uh, you're you know you can be burdened uh, for for those in your family and hope that they they follow Christ as, yeah. as you have. Uh, so, so thank you for modeling that and making that the most important thing mm-hmm. in your life. And any final thoughts? Time to eat. <laughs> I agree. Mom's got a pot of stew waiting for us in yeah. the kitchen. So, but Elaine isn't here yet. Is no, she? she's coming in a little bit. So, okay. okay. All right. Thanks, Dad, so much for well, taking the time. For, and for doing this. Yes, you and are pray, so welcome. Pray for my humility. <laughs> you got it. <laughs> Goodbye. Well, there you have it. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Before You Quit podcast. If you have any comments or questions about anything we've talked about today or on any other podcast, you can email me at mitch at beforeyouquit.us. So until next time, stay encouraged and be courageous because serving Jesus is worth all of that hard stuff that comes with it. And remember what we're told in 1 Corinthians 15, 57 through 58, but thanks be to God. He gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. So until next time, stay encouraged. Mm